So every year we, um, we start off the year, and I try to be very purposeful with last year, kind of talked about a message called uh, Dig Ditches. And if you remember that one, it was uh, the story where uh, the, uh, the prophet went and told the Israel army, like, look, if you really want to see God do something and you, you know, want to be taken care of, then there's an aspect of work on your part that you've got to do. You've got to dig the ditches. And so last year we talked a lot about you know, those kind of things, digging ditches. In other words, creating things in our life, doing things in our life that would allow God's movement and miracles to take place in our life. And so as I started to kind of prepare for this year, in October, uh, just started really praying about 2022. What God, what do you want for us? What do you have for us? Uh, at this time, I didn't know uh, what my life would be leading into with the, the new job and, and all of that kind of stuff. And so uh, I just, you know, okay, God, whatever it is, however you want it to look, this is, we're just going to follow and trust in you. And he gave me a word for uh, this year all the way back in October. And so that word is simply, it's actually two words, now faith, okay? Say it with me, now faith. Now hopefully by the end of the service, you say it with a little bit more like, yeah, like now faith. And, 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 and there, I think that that's the point is that we have gotten so used to how church goes and so used to what church looks like that we know the process of how to look like a church without necessarily the power behind what it means to be the church. And man, if I could say one thing is that I really want this year to be a year where God rises up in us individually to produce power in us. Um, I guess the best way to say it is this, is that I think that there's a lot of people that in, in, in theory believe things can happen, but we don't believe that it can practically happen in our lives. And, and you'll understand as I kind of break out this word, but first I want to share with you the scripture that this kind of came from. Hebrews 11.1, 1, and, and I'll be reading the Passion Translation, but most translations start out like this. It says, now faith. It says, now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. See, now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is all the evidence required to prove what is unseen. So, so I want us to understand what now faith produces in us. And now you could read this and you could read it like, now, comma, faith brings. When I look at it, I just, God really opened up my eyes to, if we put the comma after faith, then the emphasis is on now faith. I don't want the faith of my ancestors. I don't want stale faith. I don't want faith at one point had something attached. I want God to do something in me today that has now faith attached to it. I want now faith. We want God to do something new at the beginning of every year, right? Man, God, you know, whether you call it resolutions or, uh, you know, whatever, I don't care. 
But we all kind of have these goals set up, right? Like, man, I, I have these goals in my life that I want to accomplish this year. And whether the resolutions, I'm going to lose 10 pounds or 100 pounds or, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to finally afford this vacation or I'm going to afford this or I'm going to get my finances just in order or I'm going to move to this job or, or I'm going to move up to this rank in my job or whatever, whatever that looks like. We want God to do something every year, something different, something new at the beginning of each year. But the thought that came across was, have we been faithful to what he called us to last year, last month, or last week? How can God do something new in us if we haven't been faithful to what he's already been asking us to do? Uh, It would, you know, that's the, we want God to do these things but we're unsure of stepping out in faith of doing those things. Andy Mineo, a Christian hip-hop artist, uh, in one of his songs, he says, I want 100% of God, but I only want to give him a quarter of me. What, what powerfully impactful words. God, I want all of you. I mean, it, it, if I sit up here and said, God, God is going to show up, but he's going to only show up in the same measure that you give out, some of y'all would be frightened. <laughs> like, oh, dang. <laughs> Some of you would be like, oh, okay, I'm pretty okay with that. But I, I, and, and I'm thankful that God shows up and he only knows how to give 100% of himself. Like God is not a God where he does the math accordingly. Like he does, well, you know, Rodney, I'm only going to give you about half of me. Like God doesn't know how to do that. He's all in. And the only thing he asks in return is that we return the favor of being all in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go all in on the purposes of, of God so that he can be all in to the purpose of my life for his glory. I want to I wanna have the kind of faith that says, you know what? I want to do the things that God has for me. I have a buddy of mine, Tommy, back in California. Uh, when, when he first got saved, he was a junior or senior in high school. And uh, the year after he graduated, he really got excited about God his senior year in high school. I was his youth pastor. And uh, the year after he graduated, he, he told me this like six months after he had done it. But he just told God, God, I'm going to do a year of yes. Now, that sounds really scary. He said, if, I'm, if it's asked of me, I'm just, I'm just going to say yes. Maybe he watched Yes Man, um, you know, and just decided, well, let's spiritually do that. So he, he just told God, God, I'm going to do a year of yes. That, that if anything is asked of me at the church, if anything is asked of me spiritually, I'm going to say yes to it. And, and, and if I would have known this, I probably would have taken advantage of it. Let's, let's just be real. Uh, but, you know, he was just always there. He'd move his work schedule around. He'd do things that, hey, you know, hey, Tommy, do you think you could uh, do this? Yeah, man, no problem. I'd love to do that. I'd be there for you. And, and, and he was just faithful to, to say yes, say yes, say yes. And here's what it did. It created in him this avenue where he sh- uh, saw God do amazing things in his life by just being available to say yes. Um. He was the one that took over for me and Stephanie. Him and his wife, Marissa, took over as youth pastors uh, or youth directors in California uh, for a little over a year. Uh, once we left, year and a half. There, I still talk to him. Matter of fact, I text him this morning. Uh, you know, uh, and and we still have great relationship and, and contact uh, probably once a week. It, it, that, but it, it was this relationship that not only built a tightness between me and him, but 
it opened up an avenue of faith for him that if I could just say yes to God, even if I didn't know how it was going to work, even if I was unsure of how it would play out, if I could just say yes to God, I know that he is going to be faithful to do what he's asked of me to do. I don't want this year to be the year of being safe or comfortable, but of stepping out in the unknown, challenging ourselves to grow, to have warrior faith, biblical faith, and courage. Man, if, if I can encourage any, like, anything in us is that, is that I want you to maybe challenge yourself this year not to just believe in God for the things that we can touch and see and smell and all that good stuff, but what about the things that you can't? What about the spiritual depth that may seem a little unnerving, a little scary? Well, I don't want to become a religious nut. Well, I'll be honest. I'd rather be a religious nut than somebody who's just kind of half in, half out. And when I say religious nut, it just mean, I really mean just somebody who's excited about living for God and everything that they do. Um, I hate to say it, but the Bible is very clear about what it means to be what the Bible calls lukewarm. And in Revelation 3, it talks about this, right? And it says, it says that he's actually speaking to the church. And I think a lot of times we get twisted about this. Is that, oh, yeah, they're talking about uh, these people that, you know, don't go to church. No, he's talking to the church in Revelation 3. And he says, I would rather you be hot on fire for me or cold and not even serve me. Because to be lukewarm is to literally be thrown up out of the mouth of God. It's like, whoa. He's talking to the church folk. And he's saying, listen, I need you to, I need you to be all in or, 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 or not. And it sounds so harsh, but I mean, it's how we are with everything else, right? Those that are in relationships, be a little unnerving if they weren't all in. Right? I mean, if after 18 years of marriage, if I went to my wife and said, you know, I, I really do like you a lot. But I'm wondering if you'd be okay if I saw somebody else. Exactly. Right? Like, mm, nah, you, do you want to die? I mean, imagine how that conversation goes. Put yourself in that conversation. Some of y'all are like, that's about the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Now imagine that that's what the conversation with God looks like when it comes to our faith. I like you a lot, God, but are you okay if I see other people? I don't know if I trust you enough to have all of me. That's what now faith is about. Now faith says, I'm going all in. I'm going to trust you with every aspect of everything of my life. And I'm going to grow, and I'm going to have faith to believe that God is who he says he is. You cannot, you cannot have what you are not willing to evaluate, what you are not willing to plan for, what you are not willing to prepare for, and then participate in. So I want to give you a working definition of faith, okay? Here's my working definition of faith. You're going to hear this uh, over the next few weeks. My working definition of faith is this, trusting in something you cannot explicitly prove. Trusting something you cannot explicitly prove. 
right? Because we can't prove that God exists. I can't see him. I can't touch him. Like he, we, we say he's there, but I can't say, I can't go out into Camden and just say, don't you see my God, my best friend right here? Like, no, no, crazy. And, and, and it's no different than, uh, you know, but when we talk about that, I think of like the wind, right? I mean, you cannot see the wind, but we can see the effects of the wind, right? If the, if the wind is blowing, we see the leaves, we see the rain go sideways, we see a tree fall down, <laughs> right? We, we, we see the effects of the wind. Can you see breath? No, but when somebody has bad breath, can you feel the effects of bad breath? Woo, baby, can I get some amen? If you ain't saying amen, it may be you. <laughs> right? But you know what I mean? Like, like when somebody's breath is kicking, you want to, you kind of, you know, you're trying to find that, that, that way to take that step back without being, you know, you know what I mean? It's, it just is what it is. We can't see the breath, but baby, we can feel the effects of it. See, here's the thing. We can reach into the Bible and the Bible heroes and Bible stories, and we can pull out great examples of faith all day long. Abraham, Joseph, David, Daniel, Esther, Paul, our boy Noah. You know, we can pull out these stories. And and I think of Noah, right? And hindsight 2020, his story isn't, or, or we don't give it the power that it deserves. And may, some of you may be going, what are you talking about? He put a bunch of animals on a boat and started the whole world over again. That's a pretty amazing story. But we have to look at the concept of the fact that we know what a boat is. We also know what rain is. Now, here's the deal. I want you to understand that, that in no, when God came to Noah, there was no such thing as rain. There was no such thing as rain. The Bible says that the, that the water and the flower, or the flowers and the trees and all of the, uh, the vegetation would get watered by dew coming up from the ground every morning. And it would, it would soak in and it would grow the vegetation. There was no such thing as rain. So God comes to Noah and he says, hey, listen, <clears throat> uh, it's going to rain. I need you to build a boat, put your family and as many people and all these animals on it. It's how the world's going to start. Cool. Couple questions, God. Shoot, what's rain? What's a boat? <laughs> you know, like, when you look at it from that perspective, Noah didn't have any idea of what was he was even being asked of. And Noah goes, okay, let's build a boat. Could you imagine the ridicule and the hate could you imagine every single time he chopped down a tree or every single time he was, he was putting something together for this boat that people would walk by and they would make fun of him. Oh, there's the crazy guy. God's going to send a flood. God's going to send water from heaven. This is how his life would have been. So it's real easy to look back on it and go, well, yeah, but, you know, we know the story. Yeah, we know the story, and we also know what a boat is and rain and all of that stuff. He didn't know any of this, and yet had the faith to trust God and say, I believe that whatever God has spoken is going to come to uh, truth, and so I'm going to do what seems crazy so that God can be shown faithful. See, we hail them as heroes because they exercised now faith. 
They exercised faith in the moment that they believed God then and there. They believed him to be true and have now faith. So, a couple of thoughts this morning. And the first one is now faith. Now faith. I don't need or want any type of stale faith. I don't want somebody else's faith. I can't live off of Rodney's faith. Rodney can't live off of my faith. I can't live off of Craig's faith or anybody else's faith Faith in here. We can't. I can't go, well, I, I believe that Craig believes in God strong enough, deep enough, powerful enough that, that he can sustain my belief in God. It's just not going to happen. I may be encouraged by his faith. I may, I may look at it and go, man, I believe that he's, he's got a solid faith, but when it comes time for it, when my life is rocked by a real situation, I can't hold on to his faith and think it's going to get me through it. Can I also say this? It doesn't matter. I, don't, I believe that no matter how old you are, there's never a time where you cannot start living a full faith life. Oh, man, you know, maybe in my 20s, I would have just completely given everything to God. Why not in your 40s or your 50s or your 30s or your teenage years? Why, why not? What, what is the difference between whatever that magical number is in your world and what your life is at this very moment to say, you know what? I've, I've, I've tried certain things. I've done certain things. I, I love God. I believe. Do you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live some now faith and I'm going to start now. It's never too late. I don't care if you're 99 I don't care, you know, I've told you about my, my pastor, that for, the first pastor that ever hired me full-time, 60-something years old, served the church that, that he hired me in for 20 years, and then decided he was going to, him and his wife were going to retire at, you know, 67 or something like that, and go and start an orphanage in Mexico. I want to be that guy. I want to be, be the guy at 70 years old going, okay, God, what's next? What, what cool and exciting, you know, new thing are we going to do now? What, 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 are we, what, what kind of now faith are we going to produce? Now is the perfect time. Right where you are, you can begin tearing down the walls of doubt, pulling out the lies of pes- pessimism, and removing the framework of fear so that God can pour a new faith foundation deep within you. Sometimes the biggest things that we have to overcome is our very own mindset. Oh, I, I can't be that person. I would love to have that kind of faith, but it's just not in me. Well, you're right, as long as you allow those voices to win in your head. And we need to tear down those walls of doubt. We need to rip back those, those framework and the, and, and the fear and the, the hatred and the hurt that we have allowed ourselves to uh, have and say, you know what, now faith needs to become the framework and the foundation of who I am. Now faith if you look at Hebrews 11, says that it brings our hopes to reality. Can I say it this way? That hope is the gasoline of faith. The enemy attacks hope because hope is free, but you won't act on hope because you don't see things working out. I hope that this year is different than last year. I hope COVID goes away. I hope, and and there's a lot of things that we can hope for, but if there's not faith behind it to see an action to our hope, 
Well, how does this year become any different than what it is? It's got to be more than just a hope. But that hope is the thing that sparks our faith, and our faith creates action in us. Man, I hope this year I go deeper in God. Okay, well, how are we going to do that? The hope is there. It ignites our faith. And now our faith says there are got to be things that I've got to be willing to do in order to see that happen. It's no different than anything else in our life. If we want, you know, listen, I'll, every year I'm hoping that my body just magically, you know, turns into an awesome figure. Not just a figure, Okay. And the only times it actually does that is when I evaluate where I'm at and then I plan and then I put a program together and I participate in it because I could do all the other things. I could evaluate, yep, I'm round. <laughs> right? I can I can I can make a plan, here's how I'm not going to become round. But if I get to the point where I've got to put into action and I don't do that, then guess what? This time next year I'm still going to be round. <laughs> And we're really good at planning, organizing, and, and putting all of these hopes and dreams. You know, uh, what, what are those, those boards that, you know, uh, not just Pinterest, but, um, you know, actual vision boards. There we go. Uh, you know, these little vision boards, and we put them together, and, and, oh, this is who I want. This is who I want to be. When does it become reality? It's when now faith steps in. It's when now faith grabs a hold of the hopes that we have for life and says, let's run after it. I love that Hebrews 11 says that now faith is all the evidence we need. Now faith is all the evidence we need to face the day and to live for God. Now faith will give us the energy and the purpose to push through the tough moments. Because if you try to live off of yesterday's faith or the faith that got you through your last big moment or the faith uh, to that, that maybe got you through uh, a big struggle and trial, but you haven't put inside of you now faith, re-energize that faith on a daily basis, then when it comes time, you're going to be like, oh, this is really tiring. I'm really depressed. And I've been there where faith got me through some really deep, hurtful moments in my life, and then I tried to live off of that faith to get me through the next one, and it didn't work. I had to re-energize my faith to now faith. See, now faith still believes a miracle-making God is still doing his thing. Amen? That God is still the God of miracles. And I know that we can get really twisted and really scared about that idea in and of itself. But I'm telling you right now, if we don't have the faith to believe that God is still the God that he says he is in this book. Like this book. Says that God is the God who, who heals the sick. Who raises the dead to life. This book says that, that Jesus made the lame walk and the, the deaf hear and the mute speak. Do, do we believe in, in that miracle-making God? Because now faith produced inside of us will say, maybe not have seen it yet, but I'm believing that it's going to happen. I'm believing that we are going to have a miracle-making God do miracles in our midst. That's what now faith is all about. That's what I want for us individually, but us for a church as well. 
The second thing is this, is that faith is the foundation. I told you last year we talked about digging ditches, right? And we're going to dig ditches because we're going we're gonna to have an active part in our faith and in our, our spiritual journey. That was our word. That we can't sit back and just expect God to move, but we have a part in the preparation and fight. And this year, we need to allow God to have his way in our life and tear down walls and set up a faith foundation for us to build on. Anybody that works in construction, anybody that's ever worked on a house, remodeled anything, knows that it doesn't matter how pretty the outside looks if the foundation is bad. Oh, you can have a beautiful house that's ready to crumble. Because the foundation it's sat on. See, the foundation is so key. I was reading uh, a thing by a pastor, and he was talking about how uh, he was just having, uh, him and his wife were having a house built in Texas, uh, no, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And, uh, and he said he didn't understand why the, the, it, the preparation and the foundation was taking so long, and he went to the builder and he said, hey, listen, I don't understand all of this. Why on earth is it taking so long? Why is it this and that? And he said, if we get the foundation wrong, we cannot go back and fix it. I can fix a wall. I can change a roof. I can change a window. I can change a door. But if the foundation is wrong, we have to start all over. And I'm telling you right now that a lot of us, we have tried to do religion by just putting God on top of a really broken foundation. And God wants you to, it's time to like, you know, let's, let's, let's knock down some walls and get back down to the foundation. If it means starting from a, a, a spiritual scratch, then do it. God, where, start back down at the foundation. Who are you, Jesus? And build from that way up. Jude, which is a book in the Bible, by the way, not just a song. Jude 1, 20 through 23, in the Passion Translation, it says this, but you, my delightful love, uh, loved friends, so this is uh, them writing to the church, my delightfully loved friends, constantly and progressively build yourself up on the foundation of your most holy faith. Constantly and progressively, Right? So building your faith up isn't a one-time thing. Well, I get saved, I say a prayer, and faith is just, just deposited in me for the rest of my life. No, faith is a constant and progressive walk that as I live my life, as I'm walking out this faith life, I am growing in him, and I am building this foundation of faith in my life. But how do we do that? By praying every moment in the Spirit, by fastening your heart to the love of God and receive the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, who gives us eternal life. Keep being compassionate to those who still have doubts and snatch, oh, I love this line, and snatch others out of the fire to save them. Be merciful over and over to them, but always couple your mercy with the fear of God. Be extremely careful to keep yourselves free from the pollution of the flesh. We build a faith foundation and it's built into this scripture. It tells you exactly how to do it. By praying in the spirit, by fastening your heart to God, receiving his mercy, being compassionate to others, because we, we could do all the other ones, but if we're not compassionate to others, then, then we miss a whole part of who God is, and keeping away from pollution. In other words, we don't allow things to come into our lives that doesn't look like, speak like, sound like, live like God. And one of my favorite lines, and snatch people from hell. Like, 
Jude says part of your job is to literally snatch people from the grips of hell. Now, that may sound very overwhelming. How, 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 why should I have the responsibility of snatching people? Because you know the goodness that God has because you have experienced his grace. So it's not a forceful, you're a horrible person, you sinner, come with me, and grabbing them and snatching them. It is literally showing them the goodness of God and saying, God has so much more for your life. Come with me. Follow me. Whatever you think goodness looks like in your life right now, I'm telling you, you're missing the mark. You don't even know the first thing about goodness until you experience God's grace. To snatch somebody is to show them that there is a better way of life. I said this at uh, our vision night in November, uh, that Sunday night. The truth is you can't build a skyscraper-sized vision on fixer-upper faith. And you won't experience mansion-sized miracles with porta potty principles. I love that. I wish I could say that I invented that line. That would be a lie. Thank you, Michael Todd. We want, we want, man, I want, I want God to do something amazing in my life. And God goes, but do you have the faith to back it up? I, I want, I want miracles. And he goes, but have you, have you put it in your, in here to believe that I can do it? telling you, when you start to, to change your, your mindset and your thought process, your spiritual journey, you start to go, I believe God for this. May, some of you, you're sitting there and you're going, I, I, I want to I stop being paycheck to paycheck. Well, how do you do that? You change the way you finance. Stop looking at the world for all the answers of how to get rich quick and this, that, and the other and have five Etsy accounts and, and, and seven side hustles and maybe, just maybe, if you commit your finances to God and commit your talents and your purposes to God that he opens up doors that no man can open or shut and he, and he walks you through a path where your finances get in order so that you could be the person that you want to be financially. Now, I'll be very honest. God will not, and y'all can hate me all you want, God will not bless finances that are also not coming back to him. Now, this isn't a, a plug for, for me at all. God has always been faithful to me. So anytime I talk about tithe, it has nothing to do with whether I get a paycheck or not. I think y'all know me by now. It's why I've gone and got other jobs. But I cannot ask God to bless something that I'm not willing to give back to him. God, why are my finances out of order? Well, have you started tithing? Have you committed your finances to him? I mean, that would be like, well, God, how come, how come my marriage is a wreck, but, but you haven't done the principles in the, in the Bible to actually, you know, be a good husband or be a good uh, uh, wife? Well, how come, how come this is out of order? And, and he goes, well, let's go back to the Bible. What does the Bible say? Here's the thing. Everything that we want, everything that we have in life that, that God has an order and a set uh, standard for is foundationally found in the Bible. And so if you go, well, I don't understand why this is out of whack. Well, let me take you to the Bible and let's find out. 
If, you, if you're wondering why your finances are out of order, maybe it's because you've listened to America and, and American Western, and, and not even America, just Western civilized finances. But America is probably the worst out of all civilized countries. We live at 105 to 110% of our financial capabilities. That means we are spending more than we make. And then we wonder why our finances is, is all out of whack and, and, and why when a pastor stands up and says something like, I'm telling you, you can live on 90% of what you make and you're going to live better than if you lived at 100% of what you make and you go, nope, that don't make any sense. You're right, because nothing about the kingdom of God is going to make sense comparative to what the world has to say. But I'm telling you, it's far better. It is far better. But you have to have that faith. So I've been reading this uh, book called Crazy Faith. <laughs> yeah. Um, next week, uh, my message is going to be Crazy Faith. But when you leave on, on the table where our, our uh, tithe bucket is, has this little page that I printed out from it copied and pasted uh, and printed out. And it's a faith questionnaire. Don't turn this in. I don't care. It's not for me to see. It's for you to see. What if you started off this year really being honest with yourself about where your faith is? And so what it does is on, on the one side, it gives uh, the definition, skyscraper, mansion, fixer up, or trailer, <laughs> trailer home faith, uh, porta potty faith, and vacant lot faith. The five different, six different uh, views of, of faith in, in this aspect. And then it goes through different scenarios, friendships. Where's your, where's your spiritual faith in the relationships, the friendships that you have right now? Romantic relationships, health, mental, emotional, spiritual, physical, finances, children, personal development, hopes, dreams, visions for your future. Where is your faith right now? I, I challenge you. Take one, go home, and sometime this week, just sit down and be honest with yourself. And then make a game plan to, to build up the areas that are weak in your faith so that your faith foundation is built. The third thought is a math formula. You ready? How many are good at math? <laughs> Some of you are going, I didn't come to church and expect that to do math. I know. I'm going to make it real easy for you. It's the formula of faith. How many have ever thought there's got to be a formula to this faith thing? I'm going to give it to you. The formula of faith is this. It's intellectual agreement plus trust equals faith. Intellectual agreement plus trust equals faith. Faith. In other words, intellectual agreement is we can all agree that something is the way that it should work, right? Uh, and, and so we, we understand, you know, I understand, and all of you understand, that this is a guitar. It works by if you hit a string, sound comes out of it. We all have that intellectual agreement that these are drums and that if you beat on them, sound comes out of it. Okay, but trust is the action of something to produce something out of it. And that equals faith. See, intellectual agreement says, I believe this is how something works. And I believe that this is where most Christians stop. 
I believe that God is a miracle-working God. But do you believe that he can do it in your life? Do you have the faith to believe that God can still produce those things? Because that's the trust part. So um, <laughs> Eric, Eric said he wasn't going to sit in this chair. I got a chair. Mr. Rodney, can you grab me a black chair? Just, just any black chair. And then Eric, if you'd come up here. All right. Can you all see my two chairs? I got two chairs. I got a black chair, and I got a, I got a little green chair. All right. So, so I, I, I want to, listen, <laughs> you, you pick the biggest guy, right, you know, um, and, and, and this, this will prove the illustration really well, I think. Now, how, how many would intellectually agree that these are both chairs, Right? Okay, a little active participation, right? Would you agree that these are both chairs? I think so. He says, I think so. <laughs> we, we, we can all agree that intellectually agree that these were chairs, or our chairs, not were chairs. <laughs> they, they all have legs and, and, and a place for you to sit down. Now, Eric, if I told you to choose which chair you would like to sit in, which one would it be? The black, the black one. He didn't even think, hesitate. Well, why, why the black one? It's, it's more his size. Okay. Um, so, so and, and listen, how many of you are with Eric that if you had to choose, the black chair is the one that you would go with? Because, because it's the one that looks sturdy. It's the one that, that it definitely looks like it provides more of the capability to hold up our weight. And see, here's the deal, though is that we all have an intellectual agreement that these are both chairs, but we don't all agree that they are made with the same purpose, that they can do the same thing. What if I told you, though, that the green chair could hold your weight up? Would you, would, would you sit in it? You would. What if I told you that that was the will of God and that's, where you, that's, that's the chair you needed to choose over the black one? Oh, he should preach. Did you hear what he said? He said, it would be uncomfortable, but I would do it. Now, can I tell you how most of the times this conversation would go? Is, is that we would go, mm, I, I think I'm going to choose my way. See, because this looks more comfortable. This looks like it fits better. And see, here's what happens in the church is that, is that the world is outside looking at us and what our faith looks like. And it's like, well, it's real easy to, to sit in this chair and to, and to believe, intellectually believe that there is a God, but not have to put our weight in the faith of believing that a miracle-making God is still doing miracles. And so we sit around and we're all like, hey, pastor, I'm going to sit in this chair. If you could just grow our faith by sitting in that one. God's going, I, no, no, no. You can't continue to do everything you want to do the way you want to do it and expect God to do something amazing and not put your weight in the seat of his will. See, what happens, though, and this is what happens, is that somebody is willing to first take that first step, 
and sit in the green chair. It didn't even move. I say, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. Now, 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 I know I'm not as, I'm, I, I'm not saying this in a mean way, I'm not as, as big as you, but uh, you also got like a foot on me, so. But seeing me sit in it, does it do anything to think that it can hold your weight? Because you, <laughs> it's a half unsure answer right there. But see, there's something about watching, see, and go ahead and take a seat. No, 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 no. It didn't even move. See, now knowing that, listen, now now seeing that Eric has sat in the seat of faith, the will of God over what is comfortable, over what we think is right. God, how can I trust my finances to you? I'm just going to continue to do what I've always done. And he's going, no, no, no. If you want to see financial prosperity in your life, then you got to sit in the will of, of me and faith. Now faith and watch what happens. God, I, I want to see my marriage do really great things or my relationship do really great things. And he goes, well, then you got to stop trusting it to the way that you always want to do it. And you got to sit in the seat of faith. And watch my will happen. And you could feel this in with anything else. God, I, I, I'm looking for, for this year to be the year where I really step out and learn some new things so that I can be uh, better at my job or, or change jobs or uh, whatever that looks like. God says, well, you got to stop sitting in the seat that's comfortable. you got to stop sitting in the seat that's not made for you. It may look right, but eventually... You're not going to be able to sit in this seat and feel the will and the purpose of God because you're not willing to step out and sit in the, the, the one that was designed for you, even though it doesn't look right, feel right. But when you sit here, you start to realize, hey, it's holding me up. It, see, here's the thing. Now him sitting there, most of you are going, I, I could sit in that green chair. Beforehand, most of you are like, mm -mm, that's not made for me. But if Eric can sit there, see, isn't that how faith works? Oh, if, if Eric can trust God, man, maybe I can too. Man, man, you know what? If, if, Eric's, if Eric has the faith to believe that God can do miracles, oh, my faith starts to get built up. Thank you. I won't make you sit in the green chair. <laughs> it still didn't move. Listen, the formula of faith is not looking at what the world says looks right. But it's what does God's will look like? And they're always going to look different. And can I tell you that God's will is always going to look like it shouldn't hold the weight up. Why? Because it makes you trust the manufacturer, right? Like, I don't have to trust really the manufacturer. This is steel, and it's a cushion. It makes me feel good. <clears throat> I could do this. I don't even have to think twice about it. But this one, this one makes me trust that the manufacturer made it right. Because if he didn't mold the plastic right, my butt's going to fall down. And so I have to trust that the manufacturer made it right 
that when I sit down, it's going to hold me up. So many of us, that's the reason why we don't sit in the will of God is because we don't trust the manufacturer. What areas of your life this year do you need to implement now faith and trust the manufacturer? That God has your best at store. And yeah, you may walk through some really tough moments to build that faith. And, 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 and you may have to walk through some times that seem unsure and a little shaky. And why am I sitting in the seat that doesn't feel like it, 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 it's going to hold me up? Because you have to trust the God that made the seat that has the will of him for you. And when you do that, you know that he's got the best for you. And I'm telling you, now faith, when you put that formula into place, let me put it this way before I end with my last point. Faith is not believing God can. Okay? Both of these can hold the weight of a person. We believe in essence, the intellectual agreement that God can. When you say you're a follower of God, then part of that is that you're saying, yeah, God can. God can produce miracles. God can do this. God can do whatever he wants. And we have all these cliche things that we say at church. Oh, yeah, sure, God can. It's Faith is not believing that God can. It's believing and trusting that God will. And I'm telling you, when we take that step of faith from God can to God will, it's a whole nother ball game. Oh, but pastor, what if he doesn't? What if, what if when I sat in the seat really hard, it broke? Does that change who God is? What if I pray a prayer of healing and, and somebody doesn't get healed? Were, were, were you praying your will be done or his will be done? Were you praying to you or to the Father? Because, see, here's the thing I love about his will is it does, it's not dependent upon me. God's will is not dependent upon you to be anything other than faithful. That's it. Like, that should release so much stress from any of us. Like, What? Like, I don't have to do, say, or be anything other than faithful to God. Like, I don't have to do or say or be anything magical other than faithful to God. Because it's not about me. It's about his will. It's about his purpose. And so, God, I'm praying for healing. And you know what? If it's your will, it's going to be done. And whether it's through medicine or miracle, it doesn't matter because you are in control. God, I'm, I'm praying for this new job. And, and so whether I get it or don't get it, guess what? It's your will, and I'm going to trust you. So it's not about whether or not it happens the way you want it to. It just happens. Are you willing to sit in the seat of faith and trust him? To go from a God can to a God will. The faith formula. And this is how I want to end this, this morning with this thought. It's okay to dream big and start small. I think the problem is that so many of us are afraid to dream because we're afraid of failure. Or we're afraid of what failure would look like in the eyes of other people. 
Zechariah 4, 6 through 10. <coughs> says this. Then he said to me, this is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. Say that 10 times fast. It is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him, and when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it, may God bless it. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple, and he will complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings. For the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line of Zerubbabel's hand. You may be going, well, who is this Zerubbabel? He was uh, one of two leaders back in this time when Zechariah was uh, prophesying. Some would say uh, when you look at the prophecy, it's actually also a foreshadowing of Jesus. Uh, Zerubbabel being the foreshadowing of who Je- what Jesus would become. And he says, listen, Zerubbabel sets the, the foundation. Jesus sets the foundation. And not even a mighty mountain can get in the way of all that he wants to do in your life. But do not despise the small beginnings. I've shared this before that a buddy of mine, Eddie, when we started this church, before we started this church, we were sitting in our kitchen in California, and he said, what if nobody shows up? What if only 20 people show up? What if 80 people show up? Will you trust that God has still called you? He said, what if nobody gets behind you guys? The answer was really simple in that kitchen. I know what God has called me to. I know what he's called me to. Moving to Camden never sits in the seat. Never. Because moving to Camden is really uncomfortable when you know nothing about it. When you know nobody. When you got to trust God for everything, everything, finances, health care, new friendships. It's real easy to maybe pick a city. All, I, listen, I've got friends all across the nation. I could pick a city and go start a church and have friends, have a better financial structure. And everybody would say, pick this chair because this chair makes more sense. But this chair is the will of God. And now faith says, are you willing to sit in the now faith chair, even if it takes five years to see God's plan play out? Are you willing to sit in the uncomfortable, in the scary, in the unknown and grow? Are you okay with building small? Dreaming big and starting small. I want to start a business. Well, maybe that first step is, is, is going back and taking some business classes. I, I want relationships that are strong and, 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 and have a great foundation. Well, then, then maybe you need to tear down your idea of what a relationship and what friendships look like and start over. 
I can't tell you what it is for you, but I can know what it is for me. It's easy to talk about Noah's cruise ship, right? After it's all built, it's real easy to talk about Noah's cruise ship. What about the first time Noah cut down a tree? Could you imagine what Noah was thinking when he was cutting down that first tree? I got to build this freaking large ship. And somehow I've got to get animals in it. And then I've got to try to get people to follow me. Faith started small for Noah by chopping down trees. What will your faith start? Let's start taking small steps to build now faith. What if we sought and walked out God's will for our lives and lived now faith? How could that impact those around us? How many people would change their life because you sat in this chair of now faith? The next few weeks, we're going to talk about some of the practicals. How do we live out this now faith? How do we live out this faith that we so badly want to see? I'm believing for God to do great things this year. Not just in intellect, but I'm trusting God to do some things. That at the end of this year, we're standing here going, man, I remember when Mr. Randy was believing for this. I remember when, when Craig was believing for this. I remember when, I remember when, I remember when the person that's not even sitting there yet walked into church and started believing for this. And we taught people how to grow in their faith because we're not going to be people of intellectual agreement, but trust that God can do it. Will you pray with me? I wonder if there's anybody here that would agree with me that they want their faith to grow this year. If that's you, I just want to pray for you. If you would just raise your hand and, and amen. God, you see these hands. It's nothing that I can do. It's only what you can do. And so, God, I pray right now that you would start to grow our faith in you. Jesus, I pray that you would instill now faith into our lives. And God, I know that, that there's a, a part on us that we have to play a part. We have, to, we have to prepare. We have to evaluate. We have to participate in the growing of our faith. And so, God, I pray that these, these that raise their hand, God, that they would, they would figure out what that looks like. God, spending a little time with you every day, devoting uh, in their word and prayer in worship. Father, that we would lay our lives on the line and say, God, whatever your will would be, that I would sit in the chair that is producing your will, not what is just comfortable. God, we're believing for financial miracles. We're believing for relationships and friendship miracles. We're believing for emotional and mental and spiritual health. Miracles. 
The God that when your word says that you have set the captive free, it wasn't just somebody who was in outright sin, but maybe in, in, in the mental capacity of being trapped in their own thought process or depression or anxiety or worry. That God, that you are the God who does still miracles and you are still setting the captive free. Father, I believe that you want to do something real this year. And so produce in us now faith. God, when we go to our workplace, when we go to our friend groups, when we hang out with people, that they see something different in us because we are trusting the living God. Jesus, have your way. We give you 2022, and I pray, God, that we would walk in faith this year. God, help us to cut out the things that we don't need. Help us to add to the things we do need. We thank you, we love you, and we give you honor and glory. In your name we pray. Amen.